0: Hello, and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. But today I want to start off with a verse, and maybe a few verses, that are saying something very profound, all right? You know, a lot of times we like to start off with whether it's Hebrews one or Colossians one, John one, this reality that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And this, this reality that we're seeing that Jesus is actually God embodied, manifest in the, in the earth, right? And um, he was with God, but he also was God. He is the full expression and, and, and the communication of God, right? And so this truth, as, as you've probably heard me say, a lot is a truth that is so passed over by so much of the church. This reality that Jesus actually is God. Not God with a lowercase g, the son, subservient son, you know what I'm saying? But he's actually the point the Bible's making is like in the beginning the word was with God, but he also is God. This is God. And this verse that that I read this week that I think is absolutely beautiful and I think will help us today. 1 Timothy 3:16, it says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Talking about this person. It says, God was manifest in the flesh. What we just said, the word was God. God was manifested in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit. He was seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. And I love everything that's being unpacked in that verse how it's starting. Like if in the ESV that without controversies translated, great indeed we confess is the mystery of godliness. This, this apostle, the apostle Paul, someone who's actually seen Jesus with his eyeballs, you know what I mean? Who, who's been taught how to take communion by Jesus out in the wilderness after Jesus had already been crucified far, you know, far longer. He should have never been able to see him, but he had visits from him, you know, which is, which is incredible and um but here he's, even he is saying great is this mystery right um we confess that great indeed is the mystery but what we do know is god was manifested in the flesh that was him that was him that is him he was justified in the spirit he was he was seen by angels can you imagine the angels that have worshipped him since eternity since whenever they were created now they're seeing him in a human flesh suit costume walking around in the world and they're getting to behold him in that way for the first time how glorious was their existence just during that stuff all the revelation of God that we Jesus is the word and express image of God but he was that for them as well you know what I mean it was blowing the angelic mind you know while he was on the earth so there he was seen by angels believed on the world re- received up into glory and this, this reality of Jesus is God is something that I really want to set on in today's message, in every single message, if you know me, dig But it, it's, it's so very important that we see, because I truly do believe that the majority of Christians don't believe that Jesus is God. It's, it's a really controversial thing to say, but it's true. He's, he's, this, he's this little G version. He's the one with the mandals, the gentle one, that's holding, holding the mean dad back from whipping the people. And it couldn't be further from the truth. He is the manifestation of our Father's heart. And so Romans 8.38 says something about about Jesus. He says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers. That is, the angelic beings, not even the world-dominating rulers of this world, these fallen gods of the Old Testament. Principalities nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth nor any created thing. He's talking about height, depth, time, space, things that are actually created in this dimension that we think is so very real. It's like there's nothing at all that shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that a beautiful sentiment? There's absolutely nothing that can separate us from the reality of God's love for us. The separation is what I want to talk about today, the lie of it. We talk about Colossians one a lot, right? That Colossians one twenty one, and you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I Paul have become a minister so here's the same guy this high-level authority great is this mystery but it was him he was manifested in the flesh and his message comes which is against the, every single bit of darkness that came in through that poisonous tree of the knowledge of good and evil that's where it's coming at and, and he's saying there is no separation from God you know I'm persuaded That, you know, it doesn't matter how powerful the being, angel, principality, powers. Not even death and life. Not even height or depth. Not even um, time and space. There's not an ability to measure or to separate, to create separation from God's love from you. No matter what you've done or no matter where you're at. Separation's a lie. In Colossians 1, he goes and he says, We were once alienated and enemies of God. But where were we alienated? In our minds. By our own wicked works. He's saying, hey, the separation was a lie. Well, no, brother, your sin separates you from God. Well, no, it does not. That's not what our Bible says. That's Yeah, it's what's taught by the machine. But that's Maggie's farm. That's the machine. That's not, that's not the gospel of Jesus, what he came talking about. And that's what we're going to hit today. And I love hitting that thing. Boy, I tell you what. Because it's a lie. You know. The veil, the separation, was in the mind. You know what I'm saying? And even in Colossians 1, he goes on and he says that if um, you, were, you were separated in your mind, but now he's uh, reconciled you in the body of his flesh to present you holy and blameless above reproach in his sight. And If indeed... You continue in the faith. And some people have used that to be like, well, you know, you can lose that. So you can You can step out of that. You know what I mean? But he's talking about religious, the religious machine. It's like if you continue to accept this and don't go back into working in order to achieve it. Because the way you separate yourself from God in your mind is believing the lie that you're separated. Then you go back to Maggie's farm. Then you go back to working to try to earn something that's been freely given to you. You feel me? That was the whole trick. You think about that snake, the Nakash, the bright and shining one. In in Genesis, third chapter, what does he say? God's holding something back from you. But here, eat this fruit, the knowledge of good and evil, that's forbidden. Eat this fruit, and then you'll be like God. And you'll know good from evil. You'll be wise. And we understand, just as people that read, You know, the knowledge of good and evil is what? It's the ability to judge what is good and what is evil. Not to be led of truth by the Spirit and by the tree of life, but it's this lust for power in judgmental thinking that that, that was completely a deception by the enemy. To choose the law of good and evil for your own self. A rule of regulations of what's right and what's wrong. Something we were never supposed to partake of. The other lie was like, do this and then you'll be like God. To which the answer to that is like, hey, buddy, we're the ones that are like God. We're created in God's image. Human, humans are, are the image of God in the earth. And that, you know, the dark side was so enraged about that. And so he tried to twist that reality. And twisted he did for, for a time. But he got man tricked into doing something in order to gain what he already had. You feel me? And that's religion, doing something to receive that which you already have. Hey, you were once alienated, Apostle, Paul saying, you were once alienated and enemies in your mind, but now you don't believe the lie. So stay in the faith. Don't go back to working for that which has already freely been given to you. See, the, the issue, man, through the religious machine that Jesus came to and really confronted was we have this covenant uh or contractual mindset instead of a covenantal mindset. And there's a difference. It's not like here's the contract, you and un- you uphold yours, and then I'll uphold mine. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm gonna break you out of Egypt, but you have to da 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 you know. It's like but a covenant mindset we understand is like I'm vowing this to you. This is this is my unbreakable heart towards you. You know, it's a it's a it's a completely different game. It is not repent so that I will, f- and, and then I will forgive you. It is, I freely and totally and wholly forgive you. So, so you might as well repent and turn, turn around from the direction in which you're headed. It's a different game. And it, it is an assault on the mind that wants to claim separation. If you think about it, Jesus was literally crucified on top of a skull they call Golgotha, right? an an empty head, a a, a brainless head is what a skull is, you know, and this reality was actually meant to be a prophetic picture for us, man, like he was, just as the tongues of fire were over the heads of man, it's like there was something of that carnal brain when it was like Jesus crucified over the mind, was was the mind of Christ, it's higher than any psychology, it's wholeness, you know, and Jesus actually paid for us to walk in, in that freedom, And given us this mandate, take every thought captive that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. If the cross isn't above the head and the mind goes above the cross, it's like, take the thoughts captive and put them actually in their order. And then he's on the cross, literally in Matthew 27, 51, he breathes his last breath, right? And what's the first thing that happens? The veil in the temple of the Holy holies, is ripped from top to bottom, the veil between the realms, the veil of separation between God and man. In that temple, which only the high priest could actually go past that veil once a year on Yom Kippur. And he had bells tied around his, tied around his robe, you know what I mean? Which they truly believed that like, if you stop hearing the bells, he wasn't pure enough and God struck him down and died. So we got a, they had a rope tied to him, they'd pull him out. Because we saw God as bipolar and savage, right? When in reality, the bells represented the, the sound of worship and praise from those who actually walk in the presence of God. We've always seen God in a way that He wasn't, but we've seen Him through the mind of good and evil, this bipolar deity. And that poison has poisoned mankind for, for well, I was going to say 7,000 years, for a, a long time. You feel? And Jesus comes and manifests the fullness of God, the fullness of deity embodied, is what it says, right? In Colossians 2, it's like he comes and manifests. Is that really? is like, no, I'm actually like this. And then this holy God everyone's afraid of that's tiptoeing on eggshells, now you got people whipping him and pulling his beard out. And he's not doing anything back to them, you know? But our sin separates us from God. Like, no, the sinners, the most violent were the closest up to his face. The one kissing his face was the one betraying him. But he came and he took all of our darkness that we think separates us from God. And he says, I got you, son. I got you, girl. And he come all the way depth into the depth of it, face to face, so that he could swallow it. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross despite him. You know, he thinking little of the shame is what it really means. He didn't even care about the shame and the humiliation. It, he was so overjoyed about what he was accomplishing, he went through the ultimate punishment. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the bipolar deity is still preached through the world today. And it bears its fruit. You know. It's true. And and it's and it's poison. But Jesus comes and he comes wrecking it. He, he's I don't want to sound like Miley Cyrus, but he came in like a wrecking ball. You know? He did though. That's a funny thought. That just came to my mind, but that's how the brain works. This one does. It's like that he came in like a you know, he came into that machine. He's like, I'm gonna tear this whole thing down. His cousin John was like, he. He baptized with the spirit and with fire. Like you think this religious uh, system and machine is going to be around? Because it ain't. Look how beautiful these buildings is on disciples, and he's like, "Hey, there's not one stone that's going to be left on, on top of another." We think, "Oh, you know, brother, that's the." And I was like, "No, man, that was, there was a, a, a reckoning coming. He cursed that fig tree. Which was the emblem of that Jewish nation, of the religious nation. You know what I'm saying? And, and those figs that Adam and Eve used to hide their privates with because they were so ashamed of this scary God because they ate that fruit, he cursed that tree. He's like, you know, I'm, this is bearing no fruit and I'm here to destroy this thing. You know what I mean? It's pretty fun if you think about it, you know? And this whole lie of separation, he's come for it. You don't rip the curtain of the Holy of Holies from top to bottom. There's a reason that's in there Matthew 27, 51. There's a reason that's there because that was the veil between realms and and there is not going to be another high priest. Jesus is the ultimate high priest and that veil is his flesh which has been ripped open for us to see. Hey, dad's house is open, kids. Don't listen to the lie. I'm not who they said I was. Dad is home and and you are what? You know what's the best thing for that? It's probably been, uh, you know, or one of the best. I think Luke 15 is one of them hitters of Jesus. Speaking of separation, I have the word dad written over that on, on my page. So let me gather myself for a second. Um, and um, <clears throat> So, Luke 15, 11, A certain man had two sons. What do we know this story is? The prodigal son, right? The story... Of some little rotten son of a gun that went off with some prostitutes and drugs and alcohol and all these nasty things. But God still received him, Because luckily he, he repented. No. I mean, there's, there's, there's some of that going on. But the reality is Jesus is literally sitting with the Pharisees trying to communicate it, the Father's heart to them. And he says something I read this week that I, I don't know why I haven't seen this verse. Or maybe it just hasn't highlighted to me um, in it. And we'll get to that. But you guys know the story of the prodigal. He's sitting there telling the the leaders of the religious machine who preach separation from God. And the fear of God, which is holy and pure and beautiful and wonderful, it's the acknowledgement of the reality of his presence being greater than anything in your life and him being for you. But they've taught it as somebody to be afraid of. And they've charged people for it. And there's people selling pigeons, and you know people that couldn't afford to sacrifice the big stuff. They they still got little discounts, but they still had to pay. You know, it was just like it, it was a machine run on money, and it was crooked. And the people were actually running it. were were proclaiming this separation, which God was here to destroy, because as we've seen about you know what was that? First Timothy uh, three sixteen. Great is the mystery. He was manifest in the flesh. This is him walking around. It's his temple. It's his people. So Jesus is sitting down patiently instead of just Darth Vader choking the whole group like, you know, what I mean, that's what that's what I would think. Why did you just Darth Vader choke everybody? No, 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 no. He's actually come to unlock all of their brains and minds because he loves the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He doesn't love the people, you know. And so he talks about these these prodigals and he talks about are these two sons and about how the younger said, Father, give me the portion of my goods that falls to me. And he divided them as livelihood. So, which, is, which in that culture was an incredible insult. It's saying, Dad, I actually, when are you going to die already? I really wish you would, but since you're not, can I just have what's mine so I can live separate from you? And we think God separated himself from us, but it's not true. That's not the story. We've separated ourselves from God, and it's done so in our mind. That's rule number one. You know what I mean? I have, no, I have no time for people that take the Romans out of context and preach a, a bipolar God. When, you can't. When you look at the, the lion, you know, and the, and the ox and the man and the eagle, the four living creatures, the four Gospels, and you see the heart of God and Jesus articulating very clearly that that's not the way things go. So here he is, and he actually gives it to his son. Like, All right, <laughs> you can have it. Many days after, you know, he gathered stuff together, went across country, you know, wasted all the possessions, spent all that he had. There was a severe famine in the land. He joined himself to a citizen of that country and um, sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the, with the pods that the swine ate, but nobody gave him anything. And here you are telling a story to these Pharisees that they're, they've all got the stank face like, oh, you know, this is, oh, that's great, oh. An unclean animal the pig that's disgusting they don't eat bacon like we do here in Texas like that's a that's an unclean that's something you don't mess with oh and and he's in a foreign land oh he's fully and totally defiled and disgusting and he's wanting to eat with the defiled animals oh as if you know they're just like grossed out by him but it says but when he came to himself he thought of his dad think about Jesus on the cross we're throwing everything at him, every bit of darkness, which he was wanting. He was taking it upon all upon himself. He was, he, the incarnation, he was fully inserted into humanity so that he could, he could strip that curse from them, which is so incredibly brilliant and beautiful, his plan. Um, but it says, but, but when the guy came to himself, that's an excuse. He's hanging on the cross saying, hey, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. It's like, What? That's all that's coming out of the manifestation of who God is, is I don't hold this against any of you. I'm here to save you, you know? And here he is with that same mentality towards this prodigal who's prostitutes, um, uh, filth, debauchery. And he was saying, he, but he, he had a moment where he came to himself. In other words, the whole time he wasn't himself, you know? But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that poisonous judgment is like, yes, he is. He's this way. I have the power to, this is his problem. This is his issue. But even that in itself, it's like he wasn't himself. And it's just like, well, are you just going to let him off the hook? But that's the way forgiveness sees things. That's the way the heart of our father is. And he's telling this to Pharisees that are trying to trap him in his words and trying to kill him while he's trying to save them by communicating his heart. He already saved them, to be honest. He already got them all in the incarnation, I fully believe. The cross was the stamp, it was the paid, it was too late, the rulers of this world would have known they would have never crucified him, but guess what? He was manifesting his heart to them so that they would know and this thing would come back to them in, in, in the days, in the months, in the years to come. I fully believe this. You can't sit around somebody that's that contagious. You can't touch somebody that's that contagious and powerful. You, we don't understand the the, the the carnal mind, the earthly mind. We think we know a God that we're very, we're very familiar with, a God we don't really know. But we can't fully contemplate. Great is the mystery. The greatest apostle is saying, it's like, hey, like we can barely wrap our heads around this thing. God is far bigger than human intellect. You feel me? And it's just like, we can barely contemplate, or we don't give the credit to the power that this... Be, this person, this man, this this deity has walking around, and we think somebody touches his garment, and gets healed of an issue of love for twelve years. We think like somebody's pulling his beard out, somebody's hitting him in the face. You don't think that contagious? You don't think that was contagious? That they touched life? You can't touch life like that and it not take you over. It's only t- it's only time. It's only time to say, oh, that's extra biblical. It's not really though. It's really not. You can't. And he was there in the midst of them the most teaching them manifesting the reality of who he was i think it's incredible it's wonderful and there he is he comes to himself and he thinks my father he even has hired servants with bread enough to spare and and i'm over here hungry and he devises a religious scheme that's what this is i'll arise and i'll go to my father and i'll say to him hey i've sinned against heaven and before you and here's, here's my punishment, because that's what God's like, so that's what, this will be the way he accepts us. That's in, in, in this mind. Um, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, so make me like one of the slaves, one of the hired servants, so I'll be a religious, I'll, I'll actually work for everything that I get. But he's like, I'm going to go with my father, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this deal for him. This religious poisonous mind. He arose and he comes to his father. It says, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him. But his dad actually gets up and he comes and he falls on his face and on his neck. And he's hugging him and kissing him. You know what I mean? Which is so beautiful. Because, oh, he's unclean. That's disgusting. Oh. And he's, the father was running. That's not like a real patriarch. That's not a patriarch. That's not dignified. You know what I'm saying? But Jesus is telling him, you think you know him, but you don't. Clark Kent is standing there telling them, you think you know Superman, but you don't. Right? Bruce Wayne is sitting there. You think you got Batman figured out, but I'm telling you guys, you don't. You feel it? First, Timothy 3.16. It's a great mystery, but God was manifested in the flesh. That was him. The Word of God who was God and is God. Yeah. So he comes, and I love the fact that he, he tries to give his script to his dad father i've sinned against heaven and in your sight that's true and i'm no longer worthy to be called your son so and before he gets to get his pitch out his like here's my plan of of the punishment that i'll receive from you before he actually gets to 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 get the list out the father starts shouting over him bring out the best robe put it on him put a ring on him, put the new sandals on his feet. You know, he just started, he's like, just cuts him straight off, cuts him to the point, and, and he's like, boom, let's release this. Let's get this thing going. You know, it's such a beautiful thing. Bring a fatted calf. And you guys will know the story. Um, the older brother was actually in the field. And this is who the story is truly about, right? This is the real story right here. It's not about that young buck that was getting down and dirty. The older brother's like, out in the field, it's like, hey, what's, I'm hearing music and dancing. Like, what's, like, whoa, that's, what, what's going on in there? Called one of the servants and he asked him these things. And it's like, hey, your brother's actually come home. And because he has re- received him safe and sound, your father killed a fatted calf. Like, he's doing a big party. So his brother was there, but he wasn't entering in on anything that was going on there. Isn't that interesting? It says, but he was angry and would not go in. And so his father actually goes out to that brother now. So first he's running out to one brother, but now in this phase of the story, now he's outside talking to the other brother. And guess what? He's sitting there outside talking to this group of Pharisees. You know, he's saying like, you that brother. (laughs) You know what I mean? And this is you. And this is what God is doing right now. But you can't see it. You know? You think you're separated. You know? Remember Luke 17, the, the, those Pharisees were attacking him and saying like, hey, well, what's the deal? What's the, when are we going to, um, how are we going to, when's the kingdom of God going to come? And, and, and Jesus literally told the Pharisees who were trying to trap him in his words. It doesn't come with observation. The kingdom is actually within you. Like, that's crazy. You know, it's like the kingdoms in like, wait, in the Pharisees? Like you mean in the Christians? a year from now that repent and say the sinner's prayer and get baptized the kingdom's in them and it's like no 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 he's saying the kingdom is in you guys it's like I'm already there it's, it's Saul man Saul Saul why are you persecuting me why are you trying to stop something from starting you're trying to kill Christianity stop it from starting it's already started and it's already finished and there's nothing you can do about it you're kicking against the goats it's, 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 a, it's a mindset like I'm already here it's separate You know? And so here it is. He tells them the the, the older brother comes super angry. He would not go and he refused to come into connection. So his father's out there talking to him. And he says, Lo, these many years I've been serving you, never transgressed your commandments. So here's the here's the manifestation of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I've been working. I've been working to pay my way in. I've been working to pay my way in. I've been working. I've never transgressed. I've kept myself clean so that I can make it in. I never transgressed. You never gave me me a young goat. I said that same thing to my dad one time. You never gave me a goat, Dad. (laughs) No. That I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots you killed a fatted calf for him so he couldn't even see his brother as his own brother he saw him as this son of yours but he said something i think this right here this jumped out jumped out at me this week and i thought man this is like this feels like um talk about a scripture for the year And it says, Jesus, who we know is the embodiment of Yahweh, is God in the flesh, the embodiment, the fullness of deity embodied. And the father's answer, which was right in front of the Pharisees, is, son, you're always with me. And all that I have is yours. And that thing hit me this week, man. That hit me something hard. And then he says, it's right that we should make Mary and be glad for your brother was dead and now he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. So that's the end of the story. So the end of the story, you see Jesus literally outside of the party or the father communicating to them. Hey, buddy, you've got this thing wrong and you're enraged because other people are running into it. And that's a dangerous spot to be. But where is God at the end? He's he's at the outside of the party talking. And what does he say? The same thing the Apostle Paul was trying to say throughout the entire New Testament. Same thing that Peter was saying. The same thing that, you know, Jude said. It's like this reality of like, look, man, you were once alienated in enemies, but it was in your mind. You went the wrong way. And Jesus is sitting here saying the Father's word, the, fa- the good Father who is God. His word to you is that like, you're always with me. There's not separation. You don't to, but you didn't give me this and this and this. And it's like, hey, it's not the goodness of God that he's held something back. Like you've, you've held yourself back. You've actually been with me the entire time and didn't realize it. You feel? You're actually with me. And even more than that, all that I have is yours. Jesus said all that the Father has is mine to the disciples. That's written in red. You know what I mean. This is the Father, and this is Him speaking to us in this reality. Everything that I've got is yours, and you're always with me. And this is the eternal truth that is Christianity. Separation is a lie. We're with Him. He's with us. He is in us. We've been granted uh, an access that was so incredible, and so far too good to be true is what it seemed. But it's not. It's actually real. And the Scripture has come alive. The reality, like this Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Like, don't be tricked in, your, in, in, the, mind, in the mind of carnality. Instead, trust in the Lord with all your heart and in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. It's like, wait, what? In all my ways acknowledge him? That, that's literally saying like, hey, God's always accessible. If you can acknowledge him in all your ways, there's a big, you know, being mindful and being present and all these things, but there's a higher level of this, which is the mind of Christ. It's this ability, like in all our ways, we can acknowledge God and he directs our path. You know, this First 1 Peter 5, 6. He says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time and cast all of your cares, that word is anxiety, cast all of your anxiety upon him before he cares for you. So it's like. Oh well. So you got to come in with Thanksgiving. It's like. Well that's. That's a key to having a. Having a, a heavenly view for certain. But this is saying like. All of your anxieties and fears. You have the ability to connect to him in. Yeah. Not like. Well I got to come in and. Make sure I'm clean, make sure I'm good before him first, and then I can acknowledge him and pray my 7, read my 7 chapters and verses. You know what I mean? We we have all this knowledge of good and evil, this poison of separation, and, and the words of the eternal father is like, "Son, you're always with me. There is no separation." I'm right here. The separations in the mind. So in all your anxieties and all your fears, acknowledge me, I'll direct your path. You know? Cast all your anxiety. I actually care for you which means like I'm I'm not too busy for you. I think the assignment I think it was last week and I heard that a lot, uh, a lot of our the different home groups did this. But it was like those questions of you know that verse out of the book of Revelation where Jesus says behold I stand at the door and knock whoever opens I will come in and I'll have communion with him. I'll eat with him. We'll dine together. You know, I'll sustain him. We'll feed together. We'll we'll learn, we will grow. This reality is that God is is ever there. Outside, even of, of the mind of mankind in our life, ready to commune with us, to fellowship with us, to grow with us. And so many times, not leaning on our own understanding, which, which is poisoned to think that somehow we're separate from God. That's one thing the Lord's really spoken to me over this past year. is like, anytime you feel overwhelmed and you feel isolated and alone, like, what am I going to do? It's like, you've lost sight of the eternal truth that I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm always there. You know what I mean? It's it's true. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, it says. Right? Which means the fear of the Lord, it's the acknowledgement that God is always around and there. You know? And that's not being a, you know, a Sunday only Christian, you know, just going to Him with your problems. It It can definitely turn into that. But the reality is, like, He, the covenant is filial. He's vowed Himself, and He is available, and He is there and present in all of our... It's like, my son, you're always with me. Like telling the Pharisees, you've got you guys have gone into this religious mindset to work for something that you that you've been that you've had all along, and so you've never accessed the things that are freely available for you in the house. You know, in this relationship and in your eternal inheritance, which is which is incredible. But so often we talk about hearing the voice of God, we talk about all these things through the Old Testament, dreams and visions, and all these things that are prophesied of New Covenant Christianity, but so often some of the simplicity of hearing God's voice is what is he doing in your life? Where is he knocking right now? And sometimes the knocks come in disturbance. You know what I mean? Sometimes those knocks are a disturbance and we don't, it's like, hey, I'm trying to practice hearing from the Lord and I want to walk in this thing. It's just like, hey, like, he's like, well, then don't let this go. Well, it's anxiety and it's pressure. It's like, well, then take it scripturally, acknowledge me in all, in all of your ways and learn to actually walk through those things with me so that you're actually offloading them on me and becoming who you truly, truly are. Amen. Understanding that I've never left you or forsaken you and that I'm your father in heaven and my kingdom is called to come in and through you. But that bread, that daily bread is our communion that I'm, re- I'm, that I'm knocking at the door to set up for you inside of your house. You feel me? And that's what it is something steals your peace, I think we're so used to self-medicating things and running away from things when often that is the, that is the door to communion with God. That's the connection instead of running away from it, waiting, feeling the discomfort and actually facing it, but in relationship to him, you know, that this isn't just Jordan Peterson and Brene Brown and all these people, you know what I mean? That's, that's not a, I mean I've I've actually learned from people like that. I think they're really brilliant, but there's a the, the mind of Christ is a higher it's it's higher than this. And it is communion with God, but it is going and facing things with him when they come and steal your steal your peace.